2: You are listening to Rum Bunter Radio. We are into the month of December now. We are into the offseason, headed towards and 2023, and all kinds of headlines surrounding the Pittsburgh Pirates. It has been a fun offseason so far. If you're a Pirates fan, finally starting to see some moves made that Bring in some legitimate power bats, some legitimate hitters into this lineup here. And uh, obviously a lot to talk about as well as far as guys that could potentially be Pirates as this offseason continues. Maybe some pitchers to go along with the bats as well. But like I said, Marty, exciting uh, to be a Pirates fan right now. Excited to hear about your Thanksgiving and everything going on. As uh, we get it started tonight, Marty, just your, your thoughts on on your Thanksgiving here in 2022 and the Pirates off season so far, the moves that we have seen just in general.
3: Um, yeah, so far, the, I mean, first and foremost, my Thanksgiving was good. Hopefully yours was as well. Um, nothing too crazy. And sometimes for holidays, that's com cool. Collected is the best. Um. You know, as for the pirate moves so far this off season, you know, if nothing else, it's nice to see them not just spending money but bringing in some legitimate major league pieces, pieces that undoubtedly improve this lineup, um, improve their defense, lengthen the lineup, some good veteran presence, and you know, even even bring in some intriguing pieces with the Kevin Newman trade. So so far so good, I think, on the pirate front with the with moves this offseason and you know, I expect there to be more to come. And I think what's most important, if you look at the current makeup of the Pirate 40 man roster, it is undoubtedly better than it was on opening day of last year. And I think that's what's most encouraging to see.
2: It feels night and day almost. And, you know, that might be an over exaggeration, but it really does feel a lot different than a year ago right now. Uh, and I got to ask, Marty, how'd you do the turkey this year?
3: <laughs> well, thankfully we we didn't have to cook so it always makes life life a little bit easier but a man loves a little bit of the light meat a little bit of the dark meat a little bit of everything so wow
2: i like it excellent good to hear it and uh yes happy thanksgiving to everybody out there as well and you know we're gonna be saying merry christmas before we know it this offseason already really flying by and we saw a crazy month of november let's get it started with that kevin Newman trade and. Of course, you're going to lead into some of these bigger deals here. But Kevin Newman, I think I think you might have sent it into our group message, just thank God, or I don't remember the text exactly, but, you know, finally, Kevin Newman is not going to be a Pittsburgh Pirate, and you don't want to rag on the guy too hard. Uh, obviously, had some good years uh, in Pittsburgh, but Kevin Newman traded to the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, an interesting trade, like you said. Dory Moreta coming in return here. What are your thoughts on Merida? And obviously, uh, you know, your your relief thoughts as well, that Kevin Newman will no longer be in black and gold.
3: Uh, Yeah, starting with Newman, you know, I think the writing was on the wall in that one. Obviously, when O'Neill Cruz took over the shortstop job last year and then Newman slid over to second base, but coming down the stretch, Rodolfo Castro was hitting well. Um, So between him and even if you would want to throw potentially Ticapita Marcano into the mix, you're going to want to see what those guys can do at second. Nick Gonzalez, um, after starting slow last year for Altoona finished year strong, had a really good showing in in a fall league. So you're going to have him knocking on the door as well. And, you know, Levero Paguero, I feel like is a little bit of a forgotten prospect in the farm system. Um, primarily a shortstop, but with Cruz could very easily slide over second base as well. So there, there's a lot of depth options there. And with, with Newman, you know, he he was never going to have a long-term home in Pittsburgh. So, I expected him to this to be it in some fashion. This offseason, rather, he was non tendered. I mean, he was tendered to contract him and then traded literally like two hours later. But uh, as for the return, I mean, Moretta's he's an intriguing, intriguing piece for this bullpen. I mean, you look last year's overall numbers with the Reds weren't great. But if you break things down, he was demoted to the minor league struggling in late May. He returned to the majors towards the end of June, and from the end of June to the end of the year, he had a two nine two ERA in twenty four and, and two thirds innings pitch, struck out twenty three, only walked seven. So there was definitely some strides made there between pre demotion and post promotion. So whatever it was, made a difference, and even overall in the year. So this includes his slow start. Home road splits were just crazy, which you would expect for Great American Ballpark, right? Uh, at Great American Ballpark last year, six five six ERA, seven home runs allowed, 571 <laughs> slugging against on the road, only allowed three home runs. Opponents only slugged 360, hit well under 200, and the ERA was three and a half. So, you know, definitely two big different things there. Um, actually, Noah, I you know, and anyone who listens to the podcast regularity, y'all know, Noah, right, staff writer, very common guest on here, actually just had something up on the website today up on runbuncher.com about some things Maretta could do to potentially improve next year um, with a certain pitch. I don't, I don't want to spoil too much. Make sure you go check it out. But one of his pitches that he threw more than any other last year that gave him a lot of problems and some changes that could be there to potentially lead to some further success. But, I mean, for for Kevin Newman to get anything for Newman was going to be a win. But to get an intriguing young bullpen arm that has major league experience, including some major league success under his belt, that's that intriguing of a piece. Hey, I think you've got to consider that a solid return for Kevin Newman, especially trading him in the division, Trade him in the division and get something more than just, you know, a a low a ball flyer or something is a win. So I said to get, to get a a bullpen arm with major league experience and major league success and and plus stuff for Newman is a win in itself. So yeah, definitely a, a net positive trade for the pirates. I feel.
2: Yeah, I mean, you said it, you know, to be able to do this in the central, arguably uh, your division rival there as well, to get something uh, for as much as you want to say maybe about Ben Charrington's trades and and his trade strategy. He's done well, really well inside the division, uh, and obviously another good trade here. Hopefully it pans out for for both sides, too. You wish the best for Kevin Newman there in Cincinnati. Uh, But, you know, we saw another middle infielder, Hoy Park, uh, traded as well. Uh, interesting to see this unfold here, Marty. So many options at middle infield on the way for the Pirates, a lot of options already at the big league level. We're starting to see it kind of shake out a little bit here. Uh, Hoy Park traded to the Boston Red Sox. Uh, for Enmer Lobo, what were your thoughts on this trade here, this one coming just again within the last week? And um, like I said, another middle infielder now traded for another pitcher.
3: Yeah, you know, with, with the park trade, seeing park designated for assignment this off season definitely wasn't shocking either really had struggled with the pirates since coming over from the yankees both offensively and defensively um but hey you know you're able to move him and get something for him who knows if that ever turns into anything or not but n- n- definitely not a shocker to see him come off the roster uh when he was designated for assignment after they claimed and diaz who has since also been designated for assignment but uh yeah, no, it, it, it wasn't a shocker to see him come off the off the forty man roster. I think mean, he definitely was a player that most people projected to be removed from the forty man roster in one one way or another this offseason.
2: Yeah, isn't it crazy? Lou and Diaz uh not not a, a crazy long career with the Pirates here. Hoy Park a little bit longer, but he has been <laughs> traded now to the Red Sox uh, as well. Pirates, like I said, a busy month. Of November and some really fun exciting moves here one that got some negative response on Twitter and from Pirates fans for whatever reason but a move that I think myself you as well Marty and our other co-host Nick Caparoso just loved G-Man Choi brought in to Pittsburgh here uh, traded for Jack Hartman and you know this move I think is telling of the strategy and the state of the Pirates this season compared to last season more than anything else. You're adding a power bat. You're adding an experienced bat to this lineup, a guy that, you know, you could see at first base potentially designated hitter. Uh, But G man Choi, a big trade in my opinion for the Pirates here. What were your, what were your initial thoughts on Choi when you saw this move go down?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think you have to view it as as a, as a really good trade for the Pirates. I mean, you give up Jack Hartman, who was a member of the 2020 draft class, a relief pitching prospect who had struggled in the minors. And I think one thing you need to take into consideration, I mean, I know I'll, I'll preface this by saying anytime the Tampa Bay Rays trade for a pitcher, you probably should just take everything you think you know about that pitcher and throw it out the window. Cause if, if Tampa Bay sees something in him, there's probably something there. Um, but Hartman was a guy in the 2020 draft class, which obviously was a very difficult draft class to scout because from March of that year up to the draft, there, there was nothing to scout. Um, so you're seeing a lot of draft picks in 2020 across baseball just not pan out. And Hartman has struggled with the minors. Um, as for Choi, I mean, he's a he's a bona fide veteran bat to put in this lineup. You know, last year with Tampa Bay, hit 11 home runs, had a 115 WRC plus, a 114 OPS plus, got on base a lot. Drew walks at a 14% clip for his career, walks at a 13.4% rate. Um you know, no matter what stat you want to use, batting average aside, and you know, it's the year 2022. We can stop using batting average to be all end all for hitters, please. Um, He's he rates out as a well above league average hitter. Doesn't matter, it's OPS, OPS plus, WRC plus, whatever you want to use. The guy is a well above average hitter based off league average. And, you know, whenever he was acquired, it looked like that was going to be your answer at first base. Um, obviously, as we will get into that, has sense gone on and changed also. But I mean, right now, I would expect you're going to see Choi as your designated hitter against right handed pitching, um, maybe some against lefties, but I'd expect at least start the year. You probably see a lot of Miguel Andujar getting at bats, a designated hitter against lefties. Um, but yeah, Choi, Choi definitely improves this lineup a lot, lengthens this lineup a lot. Um, last year, the Pirates. When it came to power numbers, were better than a lot of teams nationally, but they really struggled to get on base. They really struggled with on base percentage, something that Choi is going to help them with a lot. Um, you know, veteran presence in the clubhouse, postseason experience, and even if you get if you get to July and you're out of things, he's going to be a nice trade chip to have. But you know, I, I don't want to get into that right now. Let's just focus on the here and now and focus on the fact that the Pirates have already made multiple moves this offseason, Choi included, and the other one we'll get into momentarily, that show they're not just completely punting on 2023. You know, this isn't some of the moves we've seen in the past. This isn't when they brought in Gerard Dyson to play center field because Dyson literally had nowhere else to go. Um, You know, these are legitimate moves that, I mean, Choi and Carlos Santana, who we get into, both could easily start on – plenty of contenders across baseball. So these are moves that are made to make the 2023 team better. Ben Charrington has made comments similar to that. You know, not that the pirates are all of a sudden going to go out mortgage the future or anything, but he has said, you know, it's time to start improving the current major league product. It's time to start looking to accumulate more wins at the major league level. And I mean, I think 2023, I mean, if they if they don't take a pretty big step forward on the field in 2023, there's going to be a lot of people losing jobs and being on the hot seat. But what Ben Charrington has done thus far this offseason is sets the Pirates up to be able to start taking steps forward in 2023 and start to win more baseball games and to put an overall better product on the field.
2: Yeah, some great articles out on rumbunter.com. Guys, go check that out. Follow us on Twitter at rumbunter.com. Uh, as well. And you said it, Marty. This is going to be a much more competitive effort this year for the Pirates in 2023. Uh, but, you know, you kind of look at it, and this was unexpected, I think, in a way. Do you think this is always part of the plan? When Ben Charrington arrived in Pittsburgh, we heard about the plan, and, you know, it was going to take some time. Do you think that, you know, maybe he's trying to add guys like this now uh, to, to go ahead and try to start winning some games? Do you think that was always his model? Uh, or, or do you think that? because it's taken so long to get some of these guys up and, and for this to develop that, you know, he's kind of having to ditch that plan a little bit and, um, you know, make some of these moves to, to kind of put them back, I don't want to say in purgatory, but kind of in that middle ground to at least, you know, not be the laughingstock of baseball.
3: See, one, one thing I'm, I want to take there first, I mean, I, I do think all along when Ben Charrington took this job, um, especially when he chose to go to rebu- rebuild route. Because I know this is movie we talked about on the show a lot during the season when frustration was high amongst us and the Pirate fans. He didn't have to do a complete blow-up rebuild of what was on the roster when he got here, what was in the upper minors. He chose to go that route that was fine. When he chose to go that route, you knew you are looking at at least three to four years until this team was going to be competitive. Um, I think 2023 was a year a lot of people were always kind of pegged as the year maybe not necessarily make the postseason, but you can start to be more competitive, start to flirt with 500 and that sort of thing. Um, And I think where a lot of the frustration had come from last year was you weren't seeing any signs of plans for that in 2023. Um, For much of the year, you weren't seeing a lot of prospects being brought up and just cut loose. You were seeing guys back and forth, uh, you know, things like that. The, the, The random waiver claim, not just random waiver claims. Every baseball team makes those. But seeing Josh Van Meter get 300 at bats or whatever it was that—that that was the kind of stuff that was that was frustrating. But to circle back to now, um, I, I think if you look at what they've done so far this off season, you mentioned the purgatory thing. I, I don't necessarily think this is a team that's kind of in that baseball purgatory. Like record wise, talent wise, they may look like that. You know, very similar to say those like 2016. 2017 teams, even 2018 to an extent, even though that team did finish the winning record of like, you weren't one of the worst teams in baseball, but you weren't quite good enough to truly compete. And Neil Huntington couldn't pick a side of compete for the here. Now go full rebuild. And that's part of what I truly believe cost Huntington his job. Um, I think with this group, it's a little bit different because, The G-Man Choi edition, the the Carlos Santana edition. Well, yeah, maybe there's some parallels to draw between those and some of the additions that Huntington made going into those seasons. Rather, it was Corey Dickerson. uh, Rather, it was Ryan Vogelson or John Neese, whoever it was. To me, the big difference is these guys are coming in because you had a surefire hole at first base and designated a hitter because of what's in your farm system right now. If you look across the rest of this roster – it's a lot of young guys on the rise. Not a lot of times when you see these teams that are in quote unquote baseball purgatory, it's a it's a team whose window is closing. It's guys who they're at the end of that run and they're trying to supplement it to keep it afloat. That's not what this is. This is them supplementing a young team. This is them supplementing O'Neill Cruz, you know Brian Reynolds, Key Brian Hayes, hopefully G1 Bay and Rodolfo Castro, will be parts of that conversation. Um, you know, you, you, look at what's coming this year, obviously not all these guys are going to pan out, but you can see Nick Gonzalez is never the guy by the end of the year. You can see Quinn Priester and Mike Burrows and Luis Ortiz playing big roles in the starting rotation. Um, so that's where I think it's a little bit different than that typical, like quote unquote baseball purgatory. Cause they're, they're adding these guys that you're going to see, you know, obviously whenever you look at the current makeup of the pirate roster, other than Cruz and Reynolds and in terms of what guys have proven, Santana and Choi are probably your next two best hitters. And you probably don't want Carlos Santana as one of the four best hitters on your team in the year 2023. But that could change by the end of the year simply by pirate guys stepping in and approving. Key Brian Hayes could take that next step. You could see Gonzalez join the fold. You know, you, you look down to the minors more. We mentioned Levero Paguero. You know, he he could step up and surprise people. Obviously, the catching situation, there might not be two prospects in the pirates system that fans are more excited for than Andy Rodriguez and Henry Davis, which is going to be a really interesting kind of storyline to watch all season long. Is how does the catching situation shake out, especially if both those guys come out are healthy and producing early in the year? Do we see a scenario where Davis comes up in DHs and, and Rodriguez catches? And I'm getting way ahead of myself here, but I'm just trying to show that yes, they're bringing. I'm hoping so. Talking into existence, right? But I'm I'm just trying to give an the example. Of they're they're adding to me. This is more. Think 2012 when you brought in AJ Burnett. When you brought in, you know, an Eric Bedard. Think 2013 or when you when you bring in Russell Martin. It is trying to supplement your young core that is coming along. Now, this is not to say that they're gonna have the same effect those guys did. It's not to say all of a sudden the pirates are gonna turn around, shock everybody, win ninety five games, and go to the postseason. But what I'm saying is it is signs that the pirates are not just gonna completely punt on twenty twenty three. They're going to make an effort to be competitive and, you know, we will
1: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
3: Sure, with the starting rotation, I expect Ben Charrington to add to the starting rotation. And you already have a pretty solid trio of Ruanzi Contreras, Mitch and Johan Oviedo as a good foundation. If you can add some pieces to that and then even one or two of Priester, Bros, and Ortiz step up this year and establish themselves as rotation anchors, all of a sudden, you get a pretty good rotation. If you got a good rotation, you're going to be in baseball games. So uh, I think, you know, Charrington, as I said, to circle back to the beginning of the conversation, when he got here, when he chose to go full rebuild, 2023 was always going to be the year you could start to take a step forward, start to be more competitive. And the moves Ben Charrington has made this offseason just continue to further feed into that.
2: Yeah, I like the comparison there. And A.J. Burnett, <laughs> uh, you know, Bedard, those guys – Do you think, you know, and those guys, like you said, were extremely potent. They came in and were so effective for those teams. And they were there through that stretch. Are these guys going to be there through this window of contention? Do you see them, you know, trying to to keep around a a G-Man Choi, you know, after they call up some of these younger guys that we've been waiting on?
3: I mean, I think a lot of it, you know, obviously is going to hinge. I mean, first and foremost, Choi – is under is a free agent at the end of the season, uh, with the deal they inherited from Tampa Bay and Carlos Santana was signed a one-year deal. Um, but I mean, if you look at the current state of first base in the organization, there's not a whole lot there. Um, I mean, the fact the pirates left Malcolm Nunez and Matt Gorski exposed the rule five draft, probably pretty telling on how they view those two, um, as rather or not, they view them as potential, you know, long-term answers of first base, especially Gorski since he's a guy that this front office didn't acquire, but they inherited. Um, I mean, if the pirates kind of float around or in it or in this all year and Santana's not moved and Santana has a good year and has the kind of effect on the clubhouse. I think everyone expects him to, it wouldn't shock me to see them want to keep him around for another year or two. A, because they just, they don't have any other options of first base in the system. And B, because, He's a veteran presence. He's been there, done that in the postseason. He's still a very good glove over at first base, which with O'Neill Cruz and the way some of his throws can go is low-key a pretty big thing. Um, and I remember reading also after the trade, Adam Frazier, who was with the Mariners last year and they acquired Santana in season, uh, reached out to Jason Mackey, a friend of the podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and mentioned how big of an impact Santana had on that team not just on the field, but off. The way he carried himself into the clubhouse, a real clubhouse leader, bringing in that veteran presence, that postseason postseason experience, and how much Frazier really felt that contributed to the Mariners making a postseason run last year. And with a young club, like the Mariners had last year, like the Pirates have the next few years, I I think it can't be overstated how important that is. Just go back to that three-year run in 13, 14, and 15. If it wasn't for A.J. Burnett and... Russell Martin in that clubhouse. And as much as people don't want to admit it, Clint Barmas in that clubhouse, I don't know those runs happen as much talent as they had around everyone else without that leadership. And the guys who'd been there, done that all three of them had either had played in the world series at that point with Martin and Burnett having won a world series. They knew what it was like. And that that's important because in baseball, especially the young guys, it's very difficult to deal with the ebbs and flows of the season, especially if you're stuck in a rut at the time. And the vets who've been there, done that, they know how to keep the clubhouse loose. They know when you need to be serious. They know when you need to joke. Those things go a very long way. And having that kind of presence around these young guys, even if it is just for one year, will be invaluable. And that's how you help cultivate your next group of leaders in your clubhouse. That's how you pass those things along and help get your club ready to contend down the road. I mean, I, I really do think that the Santana edition that could prove to be as big of an impact as anything he does on the field.
2: Yeah, I mean, those veteran guys can be so essential. We saw the videos right away, you know, when he got to Pittsburgh him dancing around, uh, you know, really excited to get in that new jersey and everything. You love the energy he brings in that clubhouse presence with such a young organization. Um, You know, you hope to see a guy like Santana, G-Man Choi, hang around, um, you know, with the Pirates through what is potentially, uh, you know, a run that's going to look like this, 2013, 14, 15 teams. But I-, I love these moves here. Let's talk about pitching, though, Marty. You know, we had some buzz about Clevenger early on uh, last week, and obviously he's now going to be in Chicago on the south side there with the White Sox. Sean Mania has been a guy we've talked about in the past as well. Where are the Pirates looking right now in the free agency market as far as pitchers go, if at all? And, and you know, who do you think they end up making the move on?
3: Yeah, I mean, you, you know, we've seen him connected to Kyle Gibson a lot. That seems like one that would make fit on a one-year deal. Um, I will say I'm hopeful that they do bring in a veteran on at least a two-year deal um, for a lot of fronts. A, insurance. In case you know prospects don't pan out, guys could hurt, whatever it is, B that really kind of shows the team and and fan base both a commitment to working for that future, not just hey, let's bring this guy in if he's great and helps win some games. Now, great, we flip at the deadline. It shows that you are building for twenty twenty three and beyond. You know, again, to go back to that thirteen through fifteen team. You look at Francisco Liriano, and they brought him in on that two-year deal, eventually signed that three- or four-year extension, whatever it was. Um, I would love to see something similar. One guy that they've been connected to, uh, you know, familiar face and Jose Quintana, definitely seems like both sides are very interested in a reunion. I mean, that was something Quintana said when he was traded, that he would be very interested in coming back to Pittsburgh in the offseason. If they would bring Quintana back, I would love to see that be a two- or three-year contract. Again, you have that veteran presence. They can help anchor the rotation for multiple years. Not all of your prospects are going to pan out, and this team doesn't have a ton of noteworthy starting pitching prospects in the upper minors outside of the three we've already mentioned anyway. So let's say one or two of those guys don't pan out. They can hurt whatever it is. If you have Cantana here on a two-year deal, it helps provide some boost there. Um, and it, it makes Pittsburgh look more appealing to other guys also. You know, if you can see a veteran like Quintana who's had a, a ton of success in his career, helped the Cubs win a World Series, you know, if, if you can see that guy, <clears throat> excuse me, get traded away and then decides not just to come back, but to come back on a multi-year deal, that makes the Pirates look more appealing to other guys. That shows that the Pirates, you know, that, that can just give that tone. Hey, we are ready to start contending, not just continue to be in rebuild mode. So, I hope whoever they bring in, I mean, Sean Menea, that's, that's a great one. I think he would be phenomenal on a three- or four-year deal also. So I expect him to bring in at least one veteran on that one-year deal like Reese is seeing. And honestly, at this point, with the amount of smoke that's been around him, I would almost be surprised if Kyle Gibson does not end up a Pirate. Um, but as for the other starting pitcher they bring in, I do think they will add at least two starting pitchers. I, I would really like to see it be a veteran on a two- or three-year contract and, you know, if, if you're Neil Huntington you can get those two things done wrapped up, hopefully by the end of the winter meetings, and you can essentially spend the rest of your offseason trying to find a catcher and rebuilding this bullpen, you're you're gonna be you're you're gonna have a successful offseason. Cause I mean, I, it's starting pitching obviously is very important, the most important thing in baseball. So you want to get that that rotation addressed. I mean, even if they do I still think the biggest thing that's going to hold them back next year is right now this bullpen is still just – it was one of the worst bullpens in baseball last year, and it still looks like a complete disaster to the moment. But um, they'll make additions there also. And by signing, you know, you bring in some extra starting pitching help, you can bump some guys, maybe like a JT Brubaker to the bullpen to help it out. But, uh, yeah, I fully expect the Pirates to add at least two starting pitchers this offseason. Like I said, I think you get one on the one-year veteran deal we're used to seeing. Hopefully you get someone on a two- to three-year deal. And I would love to see that be a reunion with Jose Quintana. I, I, I don't think either it's a coincidence that Quintana came here, had one of the best seasons of his career, his best season since, what, like 2018, something like that, and one of the best yeah. overall, and now wants to return. Obviously, he's comfortable here. There's a fit here. What Oscar Marine is doing is working with Quintana. I would love to see them bring Jose Quintana back for a reunion this offseason.
2: Why not? You know, Quintana, like you said, showing so much interest there. And just for, for veterans, you imagine it's a perfect landing spot for a lot of these guys. A lot of expectations at the moment. Beautiful place to play. And, and, you know, for the for the Pirates, it's just such an advantageous thing to do, in my opinion, because you got all these young pitchers coming up. They can learn from guys like Jose Quintana. You know, Kyle Gibson, whoever else they decide to, to sign and bring in here, you hope to see at least one of those guys. Would love a multi-year deal, like you said there, if they can make that happen as well. Uh, anybody else that, that, you know, you're hearing on the wire at the moment, just maybe a catcher, some outfield help where do the pirates or who I guess do the pirates sign if anybody else, uh, a non-pitcher that, that we haven't talked about quite yet.
3: Yeah. I mean, obviously uh, they're, they're going to bring in a catcher. The only catchers on the 40 man roster right now are Andy Rodriguez, who as much as we'd all love to see him go North to start the season, we know that's not going to happen Come <laughs> in, on, pirates. uh, in Ali Sanchez. And, you know, even if you do want to take Rodriguez north, you're not taking Ali Sanchez, the other catcher. <laughs> so, um, I, I mean, again, familiar face. I won't be surprised to see them bring Roberto Perez back. Um, when Perez got hurt and his season was over, he said he'd love to come back to Pittsburgh. Again this year. He felt like he still owed something to the Pirates. He owed a lot more. He had a lot more to give them than what he's able to give them last year before he tore the knee up. Um, I would love to see it. Few better defensive catchers in baseball than Roberto Perez. Few catchers better at framing and handling a pitching staff. Which, with this young of a pitching staff, that is much more important than getting offense out of the position. Um, on that front, Austin Hedges is another name I really like in free agency. Similar to Perez, good framer, good defender, going to handle the staff well. Um, if you if you want to get more offense out of the position, maybe look at a guy like Jorge Alfaro. But I would rather go defense first. I, <clears throat> If I had to take a bet between picking Roberto Perez in the field of free agents and who's most likely to be the Pirates catcher next year, I probably would go Perez. But I wouldn't be surprised to see a guy like Austin Hedges, maybe even Tucker Barnhart, another former Red, um, multiple-time Gold Glove winner brought in. And I I won't – I still think, too, with the outfield, that was one I didn't even think of to you mentioned I'm glad you did. I think they bring in a right-handed hitting outfielder. Um, If you look at the current makeup of this outfield, you have – Reynolds and center. And then after that, you know, you're going to have Sawinski out there somewhere. I think G1 Beige probably out there to start the year. But then if you also have G Man Choice, you're designated a hitter. That's a lot of lefties. Um, and as I said earlier, I think Andrew Hart probably gets a lot of platoon time at DH, but you're going to want a right handed hitting out. You're going to need another outfielder regardless. And you're probably going to want a right hand hitting one to pair with Sawinski. Um, so I think they'll bring in a right hand hitting outfielder, you know, maybe a guy like Chad Pender, just a straight platoon. A.J. Pollock, who I don't know. I mean, I like Pollock a lot, but he might be one who could find a starting job somewhere full-time. But I think a guy like Chad Pinder would make a lot of sense there to platoon with a Sawinski rather than being right or left. And, you know, also give you some protection. Let's say g Bay is starting in left field or in center field with Reynolds sliding back to left, and he's running into some troubles against left-handed pitching. It gives you a guy where if you want to give him a couple days off against lefties, he's left the young kid, kind of clear his mind, press reset, as Clint Hurdle would say. Um, yeah, I, I do think they will add a right-handed hitting outfielder. Maybe probably nothing splashy. Probably not a guy who can play every day, but just to give you some platoon options in the outfield because of how much Sewinski struggled last year against lefties.
2: Yeah, I think that would be a you know <clears throat> just positive for the Pirates to add anybody out there. I th- I love the option of Miguel Andujar though. To be honest, I would love to see him get his uh, platoon opportunities out there as well. But it's going to be fun to track. I think Roberto Perez would be a perfect re-signed for the Pirates there as well. You love what he brought. And, you know, for a guy like Indy Rodriguez, if he does end up getting north at some point this season, and, you know, maybe not even this season, next year, to be around Roberto Perez, I think, would be, uh, you know, essential for his growth. So going to be really fun to follow, guys. You can do all of that at rumbunter.com. Like I said, articles coming out nearly every day, if not every day, with all the free agency madness going on as we creep closer to those winter meetings and continue to roll on here through the offseason. Marty, anything else you got article wise this week coming out or anything else you want to highlight uh on Rum Hunter?
3: Yeah, nothing, nothing too much right now. You know, the, the winter meetings obviously that's the big thing in baseball. Um every year. So with the, those those right around the corner, you're gonna start to see a lot more things pick up. The winter meetings start later this week. So it, it'll be it starts on Saturday, I believe. Yeah, Saturday's the fourth, right? So it's starts Saturday. It's the fourth through the seventh in San Diego that's when you're going to see the trades of free agency all that pick up. And one of the fun things with the winter meetings be on the West coast this year is there might be a lot of nights where it's one, two in the morning and there's news breaking because it's not late out there. So uh, there could be some mornings waking up to free agent signings, that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, the winter meetings obviously will be big. Roll five draft kind of low key. Got to watch over the pirates this year because they left. I think it was going to happen regardless because of how many players had rule five draft eligible, but there's some intriguing pieces. They left unprotected, especially Nunez and Gorski. We already mentioned Blake Sable. Uh, relief pitcher Tanaj Thomas, a couple guys to watch there. Won't be stunned if the Pirates lose someone in the roll 5 draft. But, I mean, obviously, as you know, with the roll 5 draft doesn't mean their career in Pittsburgh would be over. But, yeah, there, there's definitely the, these next few weeks, you're really going to start to see things pick up in baseball with free agency, with trades. Because before you know it, we're going to get through the winter meetings. It's going to be Christmas. It's going to be the end of December. And guys are going to be gearing up to head to spring training in a month. So, uh, yeah, the, these next few weeks will go a long way to shaping the Pirate roster for 2023.
2: It's, a, it's so fun to follow. I mean, the season, obviously, is really where you get to follow the Pirates. But I think the off season, especially at this point in the rebuild, um, you know, can be just as fun, if not more fun, to follow. Real quick, Marty, what is the deal with Malcolm Nunez? You know, a guy that was in the Cardinals' top 10 uh, when the Pirates did make that trade. Why unprotect, uh, you know, a guy like Nunez after just getting him?
3: My guess would be if if you look historically at the Rule Five draft, first basemen are very rarely drafted. Um, For anyone who may not know how the Rule Five draft works, it's a player who's been in the minor leagues for five seasons or more and has not played in the major leagues yet become Rule Five draft eligible. To prevent them from being buried in the minors, if you are drafted by another organization, you have to remain on their forty man or on their active roster. Excuse me, let alone the forty man, have to remain on their active roster for the entire season. If you do not, you are then either sent back to the organization you were selected from or the organization who drafted you has to work out a trade. So let's say a team would draft Malcolm Nunez in the Rule 5 draft. Nunez must remain on their 25-man or 26-man roster the entire season. If that team would like to option Nunez to the minors, they have to work out a trade with the Pirates in order to keep him, or else he goes back to the Pirates. So, when you look at Rule 5 draft, when guys who are selected, it is typically outfielders, <clears throat> relief pitchers, or players who can play all over the field because it's usually that guy you're not selecting them to help you that season. You're selecting them because you see them as a guy who a year or two down the road can help you. So, it's easier to quote unquote hide that guy on the roster. If they can play multiple positions or if they can be the last man in your bullpen, um, similar to what we saw the Pirates attempt to do with Nick Birdie a few years ago before injuries derailed his career. So, because of that, a first basemen are very rarely drafted in the Rule 5 draft. And I think that's part of the reason the Pirates left him unprotected. Now, with the National League now having the full time designated hitter, that's only the second Rule 5 draft where the National League has had a, a universal DH. That could potentially change things a little bit because in the past with these kind of power-hitting guys, you always looked at American League clubs who might take a gamble on them as DH. But like I said, historically, first baseman, very rarely selected in the Rule 5 draft. I think that's a big reason why the Pirates were willing to gamble on leaving Nunez un- unprotected even though they had just acquired him. And I think that was probably part of the equation with Matt Gorski also. But with Gorski, there was also all the injuries last year where I think teams were, are going to be leery of him regardless because of his shoulder.
2: Yeah, you know, it's such a, a strategy game. So interesting to, to follow, you know, the, the strategy behind it. Like you said, the first baseman strategy even there. Uh, and we are going to get a, a deeper dive into that the next time we relink here on Buncher Radio. We're going to have Nick Caparosa back on the show as well. We're going to have video for you guys. We have some pretty frames, graphics, all that stuff ready to go. So excited to uh, – with you guys, not only audibly but visually as well next week. But until then, for Marty Lee, my name is Trey Yannity. And until next time, we will be back to recap it. Have a great week, everybody, and let's go, Bucks.